When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Batter listeners welcome back to a pot of their own this is episode 130 of a pot of their own i am allison mccaig and i am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts linda Sarovich. hello linda hey allison and maggie wiggin hello maggie hi allison so the mets uh since we last recorded uh took two of three from the brewers and took three of four from the marlins and remain five and a half games up on the atlanta braves uh as we record this on tuesday night despite the fact that the Braves won 14 games in a row at one point. <laughs> well, everybody so, was panicking, and then they lost two games, and then the Mets won those two games, and then they went right back ahead again. Exactly, exactly. It was like it was like the, the gap was closing pretty fast, but then, like, yeah, the Mets immediately won two games, the Braves lost two games, and it just got back to, like, a pretty sizable. Not Obviously not as comfortable as it was, but we always knew that this was likely going to happen in June. We said it on the show that the gap was that this is why we built the cushion. So we needed the cushion and now we have used it and it's good. That's why um, you have the cushion. Exactly. Um, the Mets are and you can use a little cushion. Like it's, it's supportive. It's fluffy. Like use it. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and unfortunately, as we speak, the Mets are losing and the Braves are winning, but neither margin is that large in either game. Um, and the Braves are playing the Giants in like a rather ping pong affair right now. And the Mets are only one nothing down in the third inning. So a lot of baseball still to be played tonight. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, but either way, the absolute worst that can happen after tonight is that the Mets are four and a half games up and I will take that. That's fine. Um, it's been so. especially maddening though, that like at a time when, you know, we would look at what the Mets were doing during that, uh, long road trip and think like, wow, they are really like holding up and looking good under really tough circumstances. But at the same time that they were doing that, the Braves were just on another planet. And so it gave the feeling that the Mets were in free fall, even though they were fine. And, and I mean, I and like the Braves shouldn't were... have to have that feeling. When and I don't want to take away. Winning. I don't want to take away what the Braves have done because winning 14 games in a row is very difficult, no matter what your competition is. But the Braves were playing the Nationals, the, you know, like Pirates, like very bad teams, very bad teams during this stretch. Um, and then they lost two out of three to the Cubs, who are also bad. So, you know, the Mets were in the roughest part of their schedule. The Braves are in a very easy part. The Mets are wrapping up their difficult part of the schedule they have they have alternating marlins astros for the next couple of weeks because they just played the marlins they're playing the astros now they're going to play the marlins again and then they're going to play the astros again um and then after that things get other than those isolated yankee series that are like looming things get substantially easier for the mets moving forward um and more difficult for the braves i think and what are the odds the Braves will rip off 14 in a row again? <laughs> let's not let's not introduce that. It's not will that idea existence. into the world. <laughs> well, we then just... at the same time, I think yeah. the Phillies won nine in a row. Yes. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that's they correct. were on like both teams were just absolutely unbeatable for a solid week plus. It was very rude. Well, the Phillies uh, fired Joe Girardi, and then the new manager went like eight and zero. Which is like never happened before. The Jerry Manuel effect. Yes. <laughs> um, I remember. But the Phillies were also facing not super great competition um, during that time. Uh, but, you know, they both the Braves and the Phillies have played really well. Um, and I would argue, I mean, I would argue that at least when it comes to the Braves with the 14 game winning streak, like now with their um, current record, they're more closer to their true talent level. Like, you know, the, the reigning world series champions were not going to be an under 500 baseball team. I'm sorry. It just wasn't going to happen. Like we, we could wish that it would happen. I sure hoped it was going to happen, but I don't think it was ever going to happen. If it was the Mets, it would have happened, but that would also mean the Mets were world series champions and I would absolutely take it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, if the, even if the Mets had, if the Mets were world series champions, even if they had like a massive letdown season, the next season, I'm not sure I would even care. I'd be like, whatever. (laughs) I do reserve the right to eventually care. Yes. 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 (laughs) I will Um, follow my heart. (laughs) But, um, as far as injury updates, there are a ton of them. Uh, since we last recorded, um, largely thankfully, positive. Yeah, largely positive. 
thankfully, Max Scherzer did a rehab assignment tonight for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. He pitched three innings, I think, and threw like 60 something pitches. Um, who knows if that's enough? I mean, they asked him after the game and he was like, I want to be back in the big leagues. I want to be a rumble pony. And I was like, of course, that's what he said. Um, so he in theory could return as soon as Sunday. Uh, but the Mets may decide he needs another rehab start. Max Scherzer has clearly decided he doesn't need another rehab start, but it's not up to Max Scherzer has cleared Max Scherzer for Max Scherzer activities. Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) But as seeing as uh, Trevor Williams just gave up another home run to Jordan Alvarez, uh, was the, not on my fantasy team. The Mets uh, really need Max Scherzer back. <laughs> so uh, I hope that he starts on Sunday and that this is just, you know, one spot start for Williams, who has done a perfectly competent job for the most part. But uh, we really need uh, Max Scherzer back. So Hopefully he pitches on Sunday. We'll see. He might do one more rehab start. We'll see. Can um, they just hold Max Scherzer out until July 3rd when I'm going to be there? <laughs> no, <laughs> Linda, we need him back now. No. <laughs> Look, if they're going to hold him back, they should hold him until a week from today when I will be there. <laughs> I know that makes no sense, but what of this life really makes sense? Right. What of us should benefit from this? It seems only fair. <laughs> yeah, come on. Um, and well, it's it's kind of annoying if he does end up returning on Sunday. That's the stupid game that's on Peacock, if I recall. Oh. Um, <laughs> which we can we can do our rant again about you know it like blackouts and inaccessibility of games and having to pay for 18 different streaming services to watch baseball but you know that's a that's a conversation for another show um but I the other my reason ground just explained it all yeah right um but the other reason why Scherzer's return is extra important is because Tyler McGill's hurt again um, so he left his most recent start with, uh, shoulder tightness or whatever they called it. And it ended up being like a shoulder strain. And so he missed a month with the biceps tendonitis, and now he's going to miss an, a, at least another month with this. So that's not good. We don't like, that. um, but hopefully and it's also one of those things that makes me feel like the tendonitis bone is connected to the strain bone i don't know it all all seems very linked together and makes me think that everything is just messed up on tyler mcgill the biggest predictor of injury is prior injury um and you know you never know exactly how these things are connected uh as maggie kind of alluded to but like you know when you're when you're pitching injured you're compensating for other things and that's affecting the way you throw, which could in turn cause a different injury. Um, Didn't he only have one rehab start too? Yes, I believe he came back. That was the case. Questionably fast. Yeah. So, um, so McGill's down for the foreseeable future, uh, which is not good. Uh, They were talking about like a four week shutdown or something. Yeah. Four weeks before he can throw again. Uh, But hopefully Max Scherzer's, is coming back soon. So that mitigates that a little bit. And then, I mean, you still have David Peterson in the rotation, but he's only in the rotation until DeGrom comes back. So which DeGrom is continuing to progress. We don't have as like concrete news on him, but like 
it's just like continuing to progress. Like he, he should be starting to throw minor league rehab assignments. Like any time now they haven't actually he threw to live batters today. He did throw to live batters today. So there's that, uh, which is the first time he'd done that. He'd thrown a few bullpens, simulated games, but he hadn't thrown to live batters, which he finally did. So like, all signs point to the next step being a rehab assignment. Now, obviously, he's going to need more than one because, A, he's been out for way longer than Max Scherzer, and B, he's not an insane person. Um, so he'll probably need more than one. He'll need, like, three, probably, at the very least. So it's still going to be a while, but hopefully he'll be back by the All-Star break. I still think that that is reasonable to assume at this it seems point. reasonable. Yeah, or July 3rd when I'm there. <laughs> less reasonable. Less, slightly less reasonable. But I, bold. But possible, I suppose. Um, I'll stick with bold. Yeah, we'll stick with bold. <laughs> what about July 9th for the Keith Hernandez uh, okay. number retirement? I'll be there for that. <laughs> One of us should benefit at some Come point. Yeah. <laughs> July 15th uh, for the Cup Series. I'll be there for that at Wrigley Field. Maybe. Oh, well, that'll be fun. Oh, that might be a good chance. Then. I mean, I, at that point, they I, I don't think that they would throw him in his first start back like the series before the All-Star break. I think they would just wait till after the oh, All-Star then. break at that point. But, you know, we'll see. when they do when he is back, they're going to want to keep him in a very, very predictable rhythm. Yes. Um. In addition to uh, the return of the two aces, hopefully. Um, so uh, James McCann's return is also imminent. He caught Scherzer in that rehab assignment today, and he's been in Binghamton for a few days now. Um, so I think that he is probably also coming back like this week, likely. Um, so that's good. I, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to trick myself into thinking that that's going to make all that much difference in the Mets lineup, but I think it will make a difference to the Mets pitching staff who I think is missing James McCann a great deal. Yeah. And I think, well, it's not exactly adding a big bat by any means. I will consistently trust James McCann to hit moderately better than Thomas Nito, who has not hit at all. Yeah, I mean, quite bad. Neither Tomas Nito nor Patrick Mazika are major league hitters. They're just not. And I mean, Tomas Nito is a major league caliber catcher. Patrick Mazika is not really that either. Patrick Mazika belongs in AAA. And he's a great is- story. We love Patrick Mazika yeah. and his story. And that is where still he have that return. story when he's back in AAA. Yes. Well, so um, what happened to Nito? Like, was it yesterday? He could not throw a single runner out. And like he used to think he was a good catcher, but all his throws were offline. He threw some in the center field. Like he was all over the place yesterday. And he had I don't a bit know. of a struggle game yesterday. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if it's an aberration or not. Um, I also noticed that was it yesterday? No, I think it was a couple of days ago. Now he had one start where he like couldn't. It was like Wilson Ramos esque. Remember when Wilson Ramos used to drop strikes all the time? They would be like right down the heart of the plate and Wilson Ramos would just drop the ball. Yes. Nito had a game like that the other day and it was weird to see it from him. He just dropped like multiple strikes. I think he was trying to do framing like, you know, you kind of like catch it at the very last moment so that it's still in the strike zone when you catch it. 
but kind of pull it. Yeah. But he like dropped it multiple times. He was trying to do that. I forget what game it was, but it was weird. He he needs to not be out there every day. It's not, it's not where he's going to do his best work. No. Yeah. yeah, he and gets I mean, exposed when he's in the year everyday catcher. And I mean, the Mets have really had no choice because, you know, Chris Bassett would have like murdered Patrick Mazika if he caught him again. And so Although and, that was sweet. Bassett did say he apologized. To he both did, of them. which he should, which he should have. It's good. He He did take responsibility for not being on the same page as his catchers and, you know, acting like kind of a little bit of a dick about it. <laughs> um, like I get his frustration, but you know, you can, you can just speak to the guy like an adult. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, which this he did does do. circle back to my all pitchers are weirdos theory. Yes. yes. I mean, Bassett and Scherzer, as we've established are um, intense dudes, <laughs> very intense dudes, which is fine. That's what they need to be to compete. And I get that, but yeah, they're intense. So but at least um, he has to own up to it too. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, I think James McCann's return will be, will be good for the pitching staff and, you know, for the lineup to the extent that they could get maybe a little bit of production out of the catching position, which they have gotten literally nothing out of. Um, but uh, we've got uh, Trevor May also, <laughs> again, he tweeted this. It was not to, sl- uh, to Sleepy Corn Pop, <laughs> but he tweeted that he is a few weeks from return if he stays on his current track, which is good. He's throwing. Um, he's kind of like, you know, a little bit behind DeGrom in his progression. Um, so he he might return, which the Met, I mean, like, again, this is the type of thing where he's been out for so long, you almost have forgotten about him, but the Mets could use Trevor May a great deal. Well, and that was the problem, too, with um, when Bassett exited yesterday. It's like when, or not yesterday, whenever the game was, Sunday? Sunday, yeah. It's like, who do you trust in that situation? Can you say with confidence going to any one of those dudes in the bullpen outside of Diaz? And I don't think you can. Not really. No. I mean, and they don't really have, like, a lockdown, eighth inning type guy. No. But which used to be Lugo and still is very good and has settled back into the season, which is nice, but he's also like not the lockdown guy he was a few years ago. Um, Like they're also good at times, but they're not good consistently. Yeah. I feel like they have between May, Ottavino and Lugo, they have like two lockdown relievers spread between three people. <laughs> and then Adovino looked great yesterday. It's like, why can't you do that all the time? And I mean, it, listen, like it's, it's when you look at Adovino, like his season ERA is very good now. It's like 2.9 something. It's, it's very good ERA. So, and you've got like, and Lugo's ERA got, you know, got blown up a little bit by that most recent outing he had, which was poor. Um, but it was like 3.2 before that, I think. So like, which is better than it was even last season. Like I think last season, a 3.5 ERA, it, it was basically the same thing last season where you had all these dudes. It was like Lugo, Familia, Trevor May, Miguel Castro, who all had 3.5 ERAs. It was like, like four equivalent kind of setup dudes. And that's what the Mets have now still. Cause they have, you know, Seth Lugo, Adam Adovino, and I would throw Drew Smith into that mix as well, as far as like a three headed, like setup man right now. And like, 
those guys can are all can all be very good at times. But like Linda said, they're not consistently good. Adam Adovino is in a stretch where he's been very good for like three weeks now, which I'm scared that that means he's due his like really bad outing that he has once in a while, which the same thing happens with Lugo. He's really good for two weeks and then he has a really bad outing, but you don't know when it's going to happen. It's like a ticking time. <laughs> um, and that was Drew Smith, too. He, he like started the season with that like scoreless inning streak that lasted a long time and then he had a really bad stretch and now he's been kind of good again so it's like these guys have like you know phases of being good at like at times but they're not consistent the way that Diaz is consistent and they need someone a little bit more consistent or at least at the very least adding Trevor May back into the mix is like one more in that mix of guys which at least distributes the rest better amongst the rest of them but is that just the nature of bullpens? It is. It is. You're just going to have volatile dudes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I mean, that's because that's if they were bullpens. consistent, they would be starters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they'd be closers. Yeah. Um, but like they just need like in 2015 and they had Reed and, and well, and he was more in 2016. Like they need that Addison Reed shut down setup guy the thing is there's like, not a lot of addison reads because they tend not. to become diaz's oh, yep. true. and as we look ahead to the trading deadline i think everyone's been talking about it like it's no secret or like big revelation that the mets need relief help at the trading deadline but i worry that not a lot of those guys are available they they usually don't cost very much but with the expanded playoff format fewer teams are going to be selling and I have a feeling that people are going to be pretty underwhelmed by what's available because like I I was talking to some folks about this the other day and someone said like Baltimore has a really good bullpen which they surprisingly do have a very good bullpen like what can we get like from them and I'm like these guys are nobodies who just are popping off like I I assure you that these are not big names these are not Addison Reeds that we're getting from the Baltimore Orioles like it would help it would help push guys like Jake Reed off the team for sure Jake Reed's not on the team anymore anyway, currently, but you know what I mean? Like it would push that level of guy off the team and yeah, that would help, but I'm not sure that people are going to be ready to throw whatever random Orioles reliever into the eighth inning of a playoff game. Like I'm not sure people are ready for that. In this scenario, you think of like (laughs) wanting to find someone who's going to shorten your games and that's probably not out there. Well, then if it is, you're going to have competition from all the other teams who correct are yes. going for it. So, and then the Mets, do the Mets even have enough to trade? Yeah. Do they have the pieces? I don't know. I think I mean, they could probably pull off most midseason trades at this point because the, they just don't go for the values that they used to. Yeah. Um, probably because yeah. folks realized that that was pretty dumb. Um, and I think the Mets also have the luxury, um, literally of taking on virtually unlimited salary. Yes. So, um, with teams caring deeply about that sort of thing, um, that may be, that may give them the the ability to wriggle a few of the better guys out. But it's, I mean, it's, yeah, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get like Mariano Rivera or whatever in a trade. That's just, but you know, you can get something and something is better than, you know, the 
the various the various folks filling in the back end of that bullpen. The internal them not doing something. Yes, correct. They need yes. to. I mean, they basically need to have a 2015 esque trading deadline. They need to add the big bat. Maybe not quite a Cespedes, but they need to add something big, and they need to add relief help. And maybe like a bench guy, which is what, you know, uh, Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe were. Um, yeah. They basically need to do that again <laughs> in order to be. I, I mean, like the 2015. So then would was, Alvarez be Conforto in this situation? <laughs> <laughs> right. Or Mark Vientos. I don't know. Or Beatty. Uh, um, Beatty probably isn't going to come up. But um, Alvarez probably isn't either. I certainly hope not because it doesn't sound like he has anything resembling major league ready catching skills, but he needs time in triple a like he's hitting uh, the cover off the ball, double a he needs time in triple a come on. Yeah. I don't, I'm not in favor of promoting uh, Alvarez at this. And that's a big responsibility too. Like Conforto was different. Like he was the right fielder, a catcher. That's a lot. Yeah. I would not be surprised to see Mark Fientos at some point, but I, and this kind of relates to the remaining uh, injury updates. So, we had two Mets get injured or close to injured in yesterday's game. So we had JD Davis get in the hit in the hand with, on his pinky finger, but he's fine. He's in, the, he's playing today. So I think he's he up had right been, now with the bases loaded, Linda. He you, uh, is. Because uh, Escobar just struck out with the bases loaded. Yeah. Uh, he has an 0 2 count on him, JD. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a righty. I don't know. Um, Sorry. I mean, they did talk about earlier in the broadcast that it, it it is a sign of confidence in J.D. Davis that Dominic Smith is back and they are still playing J.D. Davis against right hand, a right hand pitcher. He has been playing well. <laughs> he has been playing well. No. And I think that that's why he's in there today. Um, and he I mean, like, and it's good because it means he's not hurt too bad. Um, he got hit in the hand. I think that if that had been you know, bad and he had broke his finger. I think that we would have seen Vientos here. Um, cause that would have been, that's ba- basically the JD role is the Vientos role at this point. He's a DH kind of third baseman sort of. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it did look bad because it was the same spot. It got hit last year, which is kind of concerning, like, because that kind of zapped him last year. Ah, JD. <laughs> so, why did, why did Escobar strike out? Why? Why can't you just hit a sack fly? It was very rude. Yeah, well, um, there goes that. That's um, another problem. Escobar, we'll get him the out, next of those, out of his cycle, he has not been good. Escobar is slumping. Yeah, like very uh, badly. And right. like, like, I really like him too, and it's not good. He had a bit of a health scare this week, but luckily he's back. He's fine. Uh, So that was that was scary, though. That was. You don't want to mess with like vertigo, dizziness sort of stuff. I can't Um, like Lindor was saying like he was not himself. And and, yeah, I forget what Lindor said. Like he just didn't seem. Yeah, he didn't seem like himself and that the team was concerned that his teammates were concerned about him. Yeah but he so, seems okay. And I think somebody said he did have like something in Arizona. Yeah. Um, he, he had a fainting spell in Arizona where he was like fainting and they, and like he, his brain, his brain was swollen from like an infection. Ooh. Ooh. Um, And so like, yeah, like I, I remember when, uh, 
when they had talked about how he had gone to the hospital and was experiencing dizziness, people were wondering if it was some sort of recurrence of that. But I don't think mm-hmm. that that's the case. Um, I would hope he luckily. wouldn't be playing if that was the yeah, case. No, that sounds scary. He would not be um, <laughs> Like, these aren't the trainers of old, right? Like, they would catch something <laughs> like that. Right. I don't think the trainers would know his brain on the brain the team doctors I think that's... he would get tests he I'm sure he got he went to the hospital he got tests and I'm sure a scan was one of them um and he's back in the lineup and he's fine other than the fact that he's still slumping with the back yeah. <laughs> um the other the other uh kind of hurt position player is Jeff McNeil who left yesterday's game with hamstring tightness but his strong hamstring, according to him, yes, Neal has what he refers to very casually as a strong hamstring, and presumably the other one is terrible. But he wasn't <laughs> the other one, so I don't know. I just thought that was a very like Jeff McNeil esque thing to say. It's my strong <laughs> hamstring, so he's not playing today, but he's considered day to day for now. He's not on the injured list. Um, I don't know, considering the issues that McNeil has had with hamstring injuries in the past, I'm kind of just like, uh, you might want to just IL him. I don't Take know. Your time on that one. Um, well, even Keith was saying yesterday, he said what happens to is when you travel too, it can exacerbate it. Right. So he was saying on the plane, it, it could make it worse, but. And, and McNeil is one of the Mets that is due to hit the paternity list any day now. So I'm kind I mean, of just, just like be waiting that out, honestly. Yeah. So I'm kind of just like, why don't you just rest that hamstring and also go see your, <laughs> your brand new baby <laughs> at the same time. Um, might as well just take it a little bit of a little bit of a break. Um, well, I think Peterson my- too. Yeah. Peterson's Peter- waiting for a baby and Seth Luko is waiting for a baby. Well, Seth, Seth Lugo, Lugo just had went, his baby. Yeah. Just oh, went on did. the paternity list. Yeah. So he's not, Seth Lugo is not with the team right now. Uh, yeah. Worth noting. Um, and that's why Dominic Smith is back because Dominic Smith got promoted when Seth Lugo went on the paternity list and that temporarily solved the Mets like roster problem with the uh, going down to 13 pitchers because baseball kicked that can down the road like a couple times uh, this season. They were supposed to go. They were supposed to implement a rule where teams could only carry 13 pitchers on the roster at a time, um, but they they kicked that can down the road uh, more than once. Like they delayed it to May and then they delayed it again till June and they're finally doing it. So you can only have 13 pitchers on the roster. So, and the Mets had 14. So Lugo went on the paternity list and they called up Dominic Smith and that temporarily has complied with that rule. But obviously once Lugo returns, they're they're probably going to demote a pitcher and keep Dominic Smith on the roster. Probably well, then maybe then Peterson's baby will come yeah, and maybe just keep it. You could just keep. And cycling. If anybody was wondering, it's September. Nine months ago was September. Yes, yes. <laughs> There's your your magic number. Yeah, the Mets season was pretty over at that point, so <laughs> they need something you to occupy however you can, guys. No shame. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I, I think that, I mean, going down to the 13 pitchers, it's whatever. I think it's kind of silly, to be honest. Like, they kept delaying it because it was clear that, like, the teams weren't ready for it because teams were using all 14 of their pitchers. And, like, all that's going to happen now with this is that more position players are going to pitch which is already happening a lot even before they went down to 13 pitchers. I don't know. It seems like, I mean, it just feels like one of those things that's just overthought. Like I get that you don't want teams using like 800 pitchers a game, but that's why you have the three batter rule. And right. There didn't seem to be a detectable issue with the 14 man pitching rosters. Like that there wasn't, there weren't times during the season where we've all been like, God, there are way too many pitchers on. Like it's, it seems like a self-correcting issue. Yes. And I, I disagree with MLB's choice on this. So I just want to register that with y'all. Like the Cubs best reliever is their first base. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And then he says a lot more about the Cubs than, uh, than it does about yeah uh, MLB. <laughs> um, like I like Wilson Contreras might be up for uh, might be up for grabs this, uh, this yes. deadline. Yes, that would like, be a fit. It would be a fit uh, as a DH role. Like I don't like like people are talking about calling up uh, Francisco Alvarez, and I'm just like, how about trading for Wilson Contreras instead? Yes, I would gladly take him. Yes, that'd be great. Um, what would he even cause? I don't know. Is he a free agent here? Probably a guy and a couple of medium guys. Yeah, maybe a dude. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's not gonna be cheap. No, no, as he should not be. Right, right. You know, that's that's fine. But I also don't think he's gonna be like a empty the farm kind of player either. Right. Um, is he a free agent at the end of the year? Contreras, I think so. Yes. So maybe it won't be as expensive. Yeah. Since he would be a rental. Do, do, do as I Google this. Yes. Free agent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he's a good, he would be, and especially since for better or worse, the Mets are still, you know, wedded to James McCann for some number of years. Um, I think it's fine to have someone come in. Who's not like a long-term anyway, it's right. You know, neither here nor there, but the Cubs thing did make me wonder. Yes. Um, and I think that multiple people have, have like, I'm not sure that there's been any like actual like smoke around that, but multiple people have like made that connection and talked about how it's a good fit for the Mets. Um, so before we like move on from from Mets things, I think 
I, I we need to mention that in addition to Dominic Smith being back, which is a very happy, it was nice to see him like hugging all his teammates in the dugout yesterday. Like that was really nice. The other like really feel good story this week has been the return of Tommy Hunter to the major leagues. Um, (laughs) It's the best. It makes me so happy. And like, I think it wasn't like a really widely like publicized or written about story, like how bad his injury actually was last year. Um, We just knew like, you know, he pitched eight shutout innings for the Mets in the beginning of 2021 and got his like first major league hit, did his little dance on first base, had the like epic, you know, legendary post game presser where he like was like, it's my first hit and got so excited. Um, And then he, he hit the IL with like a back problem And little did we know that he was diagnosed with like six herniated discs and he needed surgery and like he couldn't walk. He couldn't walk or like lift his infant son. It was that bad, his back pain. And it was like, you know, he was like going out like David Wright, like borderline, like ready to like hang it up. And he got back surgery and he worked his way like all the way back. Um, and the Mets brought him back on a minor league deal in the off season, and he continued to like work his way back into pitching shape. Um, and he finally had his first outing the other day and he threw one and two thirds hitless innings. He, he did give up one unearned run, but it was unearned. Um, and yeah, one and two thirds hitless innings. Incredible. And he looked fine. Like- and he looked good. Yeah. And he looked real good. So yeah, that was, yeah. I feel like I was so happy. Like you said, like, last year was kind of a brutal year, but his hit was like one of the highlights of the season. Like just the joy he had. It was very fun. Yeah. It was, it was so, it was so endearing. So I'm glad he's back and like kudos to him for working through it and, you know, coming back from, from like that cannot have been easy. Yeah. Like that is a potentially career ending injury that he came back from. So that's really impressive. Um, so I hope he can like, you know, can continue to contribute positively out of the bullpen. Lord knows they need more arms. So <laughs> hopefully he's able to pitch well. Um, I mean, he was fine thing. last year. It was good last year. Yeah. Um, eight shutout innings before he got hurt. Yeah. Um, so, um, anyway, uh, you know, this is still a sort of, it's, it, it's a Mets topic that relates to a wider baseball topic and it's sort of building on what we talked about um, last week when we talked about um, the race players who refused to wear the, the pride gear during pride um, during race pride night. Well, the, since that happened, the Mets had their pride night and it was almost like, I mean, it's hard to say if any of it was a reaction to what happened in Tampa, but it's almost like the Mets realized like, we have to be serious about this. Like we can't like do a half measure with this. Um, And they did a really great job with their pride night. And if you want to read more about it and you weren't like you weren't there or you didn't watch the game on TV or whatever, you should read Grace Carbone's article on Amazing Avenue about this, about Mets pride. Um, She wrote a fantastic piece that is rightfully getting a ton of attention because it was so good um, about how much it meant to her um, and how much it means to the fan base that the Mets like really fully embraced pride um, and did a really good job with it. So you should read that piece. Yeah. Um, but specifically, um, Mark Canna and Taiwan Walker have been awesome uh, during pride. Uh, they both and I'm seem- not taking full credit, but I will point out that Walker was my dude last year. And yes. Canna is my dude this year. Yes. It's Maggie Magic. I can, I can <laughs> spot an ally a mile away. We stand our allies. Um, 
Mark Hanna like tweeted like excitedly multiple times leading up to Pride about how excited he was about it during Pride. He like changed his walk up song like every time he came up to bat to a different song like he did. Um, he did uh, Born This Way by Lady Gaga. He did I Want to Dance with Somebody. Um, what else? There were like four different songs that he did. Um, uh, he did Vogue. Um, just and like his he- tweets and comments were also very like off the cuff. They did yes. not feel um, manufactured. Right. They were definitely genuine, I think. Um, and then before the game um, and then and, and Taiwan Walker, like quote tweeted one of Canna's tweets and was like, can't wait to see you all there. And like and then he said, like, any of you going to the team store, maybe I'll see you and like a vague, like cryptic tweet and then yeah, it turned yeah, like, didn't he have like a winky face too yes or like the <laughs> eyes the eyes emoji like yeah. like gonna, anyone gonna be at the team store like eyes emojis um and then it turned out that he like he showed up at the team store and like greeted fans and signed like merch for them and like picked up the tab of everyone that bought pride merch which is so so cool yeah i saw um, one person tweet they said um he let them, he said pick out whatever you want from like their pride selection and then just mention his name at the checkout and that it, he would cover it which is like so cool that's yeah. just so great yeah um and then um actually uh Andy Martino did an interview with Mark Hanna that just got published today um in which Canna is is really like open and honest about all of this stuff and and gives really good and thoughtful quotes about it Um, It isn't just and it's you it's it's how you can tell he like really cares about this stuff and isn't just being like, you know, like isn't doing it. Yeah. Isn't doing it to like please anybody or like anything like that. Like you can tell that this is like stuff he genuinely believes in. It's like really nice. And he cares about. yeah. Yeah. And I recommend you read that also in addition to Grace's piece and we will link both. But, um, you know, he he talked about how it's it's kind of it's not surprising that he that he as an ally is a minority in most it would be a minority in most major league clubhouses. And, you know, you it's kind of it was kind of a culture shock, like when he when he was growing up in the culture he grew up in to start to come into baseball and realize like, oh, it's like a very different world that's like stuck in a previous era when it comes to this stuff. Um, what I like too is he shot down the religion argument too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which is I was like, good. Weird. Somebody had to say it. Like, no religion would support bigotry. Like, none. Yeah, exactly. but yeah. And I also, I you know, I do think it says it says a lot that the Mets in their successful Pride Night didn't put themselves in a position where players could opt out, right of a display or participation in some way. And I think that is an unfortunate reality that, you know, and Canna indicates the same, which is that like right now you're not going to get a whole major league team to actively participate in some way. Um, and that, that sucks, but it does. you know, at least, at least the Mets found a way to go about it without um, highlighting specifically the people who don't support that segment of their fan base. Well, and also what I noticed too is both Buck Showalter and Alex Cohen were wearing the pride shirts. So to have like the leadership all in too, probably made a difference there. Definitely. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I just want to read, like, you should read the entire Martino interview because Canna gives a lot of thoughtful quotes in here, but the one that I, the part that I liked the best, um, is when he said, it's really hard for me to understand how you can set, how you cannot say you're an LGBTQ plus ally, just in the same way you can say you're not a feminist. If you know what the definition of a feminist is, how can you say you're not a feminist? The way I was raised was to be nice to everybody, be kind, be respectful, be a good person. There's no reason to make any, anybody feel like they are less than, or that they're marginalized, especially the people who are statistically are marginalized in this country. So, and he, and he went on to talk about like, it's it does like, you know, I totally understand why Black Lives Matter activists are pissed off because they, they've been marginalized um, and, you know, you're affecting people with this behavior when you ostracize them. Um, and it was just really good to hear that from a major league baseball player because you don't hear that type of stuff too often. Yeah, no, that was a pretty great. Just about everything you had to say, just like nodding along with it. It's it's a really good interview as much as I hate to admit Andy Martino had a great interview. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, this I was kind of annoyed that he kept inserting himself into it. It was a weird... I was like, can you just let Hannah talk? Like, come on. It was a weird interview style because it was <laughs> definitely more like a like a conversation instead of an interview because like Martino also inserts like, he'll like quote himself. He'll be like, and yeah. then I said, blah. And it is kind of weird and it is a little like, look how white saviory and good I am. Um, so I didn't really like that aspect of it, but like the canna quotes in it are so good that I still have to recommend that you read it because <laughs> I think Mark Canna spoke really well in it. Um, yeah, like necessarily- Canna came off great, but Martino is still Martino. <laughs> and I don't necessarily like disagree with the things he's saying in the piece. I just no. feel like he's very centering himself in it, which is like, a weird thing to do. <laughs> yeah, like I was reading it and like Candace quotes are were good, but then like seeing Martino insert himself, it kind of like takes you out of it for a, a little second. bit. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, wait, get back to Canna. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, but you should still read it because it's still good. Um and at least somebody went to talk to Canna about this topic. Like I don't know if anybody else would, even no matter what Martino's intentions were, like you said, if he saw himself as the white savior or whatever, but it's about time that, you know, so much care and attention and focus is put on is, you know, put on the, like the dissenters of like, you know, Oh, tell me for the 800th time, why you don't think gay people should be able to adopt children. Like it's, you know, that side gets so much overwrought focus and so many like puff pieces like look them looking off into the distance thinking about how they are actually kind of giant jerks to anyone who doesn't like you know fall into the gender binary like that's such a normal type of sports writing these last couple years that to actually get like something thoughtful focusing on the folks who aren't bigots is a really nice change face yeah i mean look at all the press the raise guys got i mean yeah it's very much the like let's talk to yet another trump voter at a diner of sports writing right like (laughs) how many of these (laughs) articles do we need like and it, it does say something even if like the style wasn't exactly my favorite it does say something that like martino sought to have this conversation because i'm not sure how many sports writers would 
in this current environment, sadly, <laughs> which is why yeah. we need more sports writers who will have these types sure of conversations. Um, but um, speaking of just like LGBTQ plus allyship in general, um, this isn't a baseball story, but I think it's relevant to, you know, the whole like talking about inclusion in sport. Um, and in, in, during pride month and everything that I, I really just want to shout out Megan Rapino for a second, because like she, she, if you want to look at like what an ally looks like, you don't have to, in sports, you don't have to look much further than her because she gave the most perfect quote about trans inclusion in sports that I have seen yet. Like just nailed it right on the head, like perfect. And I'm not going to read the entire thing. Cause it's like five paragraphs, but it's I just I just want to shout it out and I will link it in the show notes and the tweets because I when I read that I was like wow like someone who actually gets it incredible like of course the women's I literally bookmarked it I literally bookmarked it because I'm gonna go back to that so many times like it's just it's so good like basically the essence of it is is like people are so concerned about you know trans women like taking medals away or taking scholarships or taking accolades away. And she's like, until you show me that this is a widespread phenomenon, then we can have a conversation about it. But until then, it's a it's not happening. And B, these are people's lives. And that's more important than sports. I'm sorry. It's more important than sports. Like this is just people. These are just people trying to live their authentic lives and live as who they are. And that transcends any sort of concern that you have about sports because sports are not life, which is just like, thank you. Yeah, I think exactly. we have a lot of people need that reminder. Like people take so like, like we joke about uh, that, um, the Nathan Pyle comic about how it's like, we're sad from sports, but it's about joining a group to be sad with. Like, yeah, yeah. Like you do take ownership of it. Like, oh, we're part of the team, but it's like, but you're not. Like, yeah, you find like a group of people to be, you know, like we like here at Mason Avenue, our little community. Like, I met you folks, but like at the end of the day, what we do is no bearing. Like, sports has no bearing on our lives. We think it does, but. It's it's not that like it's supposed to be fun. These are kids games that, you know, people do for fun. And I mean, I mean, it's their job, too. But there's it's supposed to be based on fun and competition and he like, you know, teaching like, you know, you know, being a sort of good being a good winner and a good loser. And, you know, but at the end of the day, it, how how is you know whatever Megan Rapino does on the field that's not affecting my life in any way? Like I don't know. I don't know. What, we all need that lesson to like just you know, like you said, like not take it so seriously and just realize there these are people playing. They're not they're not just jerseys that we root for. They're real life human beings. Yeah, Rapino said. Uh... I'm sorry, your kid's high school volleyball team just isn't that important. It's not more important than any one kid's life, which is 100% correct. And this is someone who competes at the absolute highest level saying this, who competes on the international stage and in the World Cup 
saying this. Like, I think that we should listen <laughs> to what she is saying here because she is absolutely right. In the end, yeah. it's not that important. It's not more important than the fact that kids are dying. The fact that ki- that trans kids are killing themselves because people won't accept them for who they are and won't let them be their authentic selves. That is more important than a stupid game. It just is. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but this kind of plays into the notion that like the, the this notion that people have that sports can somehow be separated from politics, which is a topic of conversation lately because uh, the athletic recently introduced a no politics rule for its staff. And it is the silliest, <laughs> the silliest yeah. rule ever. I don't know if anybody has read. <laughs> I don't know if anybody out there has read um, the explanation that they gave for this rule. But it's very, very silly because it basically was and I'm kind of paraphrasing from memory. Apologies. I didn't like bring up the the quote here to read because I, I read it, but then I like ran out of free defector articles. So now I can't click on it again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's basically like you can point out that social injustice exists like you can say, like, I think it's. I think it's a shame that, you know, black people aren't treated equally or that trans people aren't treated equally. But you can't say Republicans don't treat black people or trans people equally. So you can you can call out the fact that issues exist, but you can't call out who's responsible for them, which is like the silliest. It reminds me me a little bit of that meme of like, oh, you're a you're a social liberal, but a fiscal conservative. So you think the problem or the you think what is it? the, The. the problems are bad, but the causes of the problems are very good. Are the causes. The causes <laughs> yeah. are good. Um, like you can talk about the problems. You just can't talk about any of their context. But then that's not doing a journalism either. No, like. it's not doing a journalism. <laughs> it is absolutely not doing journalism. Like, and it that and that's the thing, right? Is and and the and worth pointing out for folks who aren't aware of this is that the athletic was sold to the New York Times. And this is a direct result of that, a direct result, because these are like New York Times policies being um, being imposed upon the athletic. So this is all under the guise of like impartiality and integrity of the news and all this stuff, like people reporting on the news shouldn't have opinions about the news. And it's just it's not it's just such an empty, terrible argument like and And to me, I'm thinking to myself, so like the New York Times, right, doesn't allow its sports writers. And we're talking about the Times right now, not the athletic, like the New York Times, like Tyler Kepner and the other baseball writers that write for the Times. Right. They are not allowed to vote for like MVP, Rookie of the Year, Hall of Fame, like all these things, because they see themselves as sort of like above that, like they're not supposed to have opinions, right? They're supposed to maintain impartiality. So is that going to extend to the athletic now whose writers have extreme influence in the BWAA who mm-hmm. whose vote weighs very heavily in these things? Are they going to now not be allowed to vote for rookie of the year, MVP, et cetera, Hall of Fame? Because that's where this is heading. Well, and then they can't have it both ways. Either you're impartial or you're not, or impartial in quotes, or well, you're not. Allison, as a fellow scientist, would understand that all this talk about journalistic neutrality 
from a research perspective is so ridiculous because all research starts from the premise that like everyone involved is going to be biased. So let's make sure to have lots and lots of like conversations about it and list out all of our biases and talk about it. Like it's this idea of like pretending, like forcing yourself to not be biased is so ridiculous that like in research, you just start from the premise of like, okay, so we're biased. How and why? And like, there they are saying like, well, we're going to cover all of these very complicated topics, but we will magically not be biased anymore. Yeah. And it's just like when it comes to sports to pretend that they are, again, this like false notion that they are somehow separate from politics and not completely intertwined. Like, you know, Britt Grioli is out here writing these articles about sexual assault in baseball is that like suddenly not going to be allowed because it's too political to touch it? Is that or, politics in sports? Or the Ken article, would no athletic would a reporter be able to allowed to talk to Canna about this? Or players who didn't want to wear the pride patches? Like yeah. would they like I just I don't it's this like it's just this false, like both sidesism that the New York Times like constantly ascribes to that, like to me, like you are at, under the guise of journalistic integrity and neutrality, you are validating, you know, a side that should not be valid. Like, yeah, you're staying silent is also taking a side. Exactly. Exactly. Like you are doing both sidesism when one side is doing like hate crimes and like that's that is in and of itself taking a side when you were giving that equal footing and equal platform well and you also have the yankees and rays tweeting about gun reform for an entire night can you not touch that subject yeah i don't know it's, it's just there's no there's no line there's no like clearly defined or even muddily defined line between anything and politics because politics by nature just affects every part of our lives and if you don't think that politics affects your lives well then you're probably in a pretty sweet spot right now and i would just shake a pass on this whole conversation like i i believe linda that gun reform was the exact like example that they that the uh that the athletic ceo or whoever it was that tried to explain this policy um gave Um, Because this was right in the aftermath of like all the um, all the uh, activism surrounding gun violence in the aftermath of the shootings. Um, I believe they said something like, you know, you can say gun violence is a problem in America, but you can't say Republicans won't pass X, Y, Z legislation, even though that is absolutely true. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some things that are true, but you can't say other things that are true because The people who give us their money get mad. Right. Exactly. And it's just it's just silly. It's just silly. It's exactly what you said, Maggie. It's that it's that meme. The like the the problems are bad. The causes of the problems, though, those are good. <laughs> like It's just like, how can you talk about these issues without talking about the people who are responsible for them? Like you're just being journalistically dishonest. Yeah. yeah. And like all for the sake of like they're trying to make it seem like they're being intellectually honest about this when they're actually intellectually dishonest about it by pretending that, oh, these are just problems without a cause. Hmm, wonder how these happened. 
So like every article, like, I mean, I only took a couple of journalism classes in college, but we were told get the who, what, where, how, and why. So now we're just going to ignore the who completely. Yep. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that is frustrating, but at least like, you know, at least allies exist in, in sports, even if, even if they aren't the majority yet. Um, even if the Marcanas of the world are not the majority in any baseball clubhouse, as he pointed out in the article, at least they exist. And all we can do is just keep hoping that norms shift more and more uh, toward more, more Marcanas in every clubhouse. And they and they will, you know, Gen Z is coming. Get ready. Oh, boy. They have genders I haven't even heard of. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um. But yeah, I just I just hope that for the future of the game that we have more people like Marcana in 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 the clubhouse. Um, what a good yeah. dude. Um, and Taiwan Walker too. Can't yep. forget about him. And Taiwan Walker, guys. Total like mentions. We love them. We love them. I'm I'm very proud that they're New York Mets, and I'm very proud yeah. to root for them. Um. But yeah, we will end the show on a happy note, like we always do, with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Okay, so <laughs> this is not a surprise if you follow me on Twitter and ah! read anything on my tweet this evening, but last week, I can't even get the words out. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I, I and another Amazing Avenue writer interviewed francisco lindor oh so good it was amazing oh my god first to start with i will say like i was terrified i was extremely terrified i did nothing all day um in leading up to it like except like sit around and play with my lighting and like redo my makeup which wasn't even like it wasn't even a video like we were on zoom but it wasn't even like i was being recorded or anything but i was just like all I have to hold on to right now is looking very professional. That's the only thing I can do is just like fake any sort of confidence in all this. So I was extremely nervous, but almost instantaneously, there is just something about his vibe that was very like chill and comfort. And like, he just, it was, he was very relaxed and natural and it just was contagious that feeling. Um, And then just the interview was amazing. Like, you know, I, I haven't done a lot of like celebrity type interviews before, but I've done them for research projects, like in grad school and, and all that. And like, man, some folks just don't do good interview. Like you're either getting lots of one word answers or they go on and on about something. That's really not what you were going for. Um, but Francisco Lindor gives very good interview. He took all these questions that we had and every single one of them, he just went in a different direction from what I was expecting. And, you know, I'll give the, I'll give the example. Um, Rob had asked him a question about analytics and, and he talked a little bit about kind of like, you know, addressing the, the meat of the question, which was kind of like, what are, you know, some ways that you sort of balance analytics with the old school. And then he brought up right near the end, he mentioned like that, you know, just the, the analyst guys might not catch the ball, but they're the reason that he is standing in the right spot to catch the ball. And just, and like, I think that was a really great way to draw in 
to like broaden people's views of how a player would think of analytics. Cause I think everybody thinks of analytics as like, you know, Oh, what's my WRC plus against left-handed relievers, you know, and that, cause that's very much how it's presented on this side of things. But for him, like, like the first example that comes to mind is defensive positioning, which of course makes so much sense. And it's something the Mets have done so well with uh, this year. So I just, I thought that was like an example of something where it just went in a direction that was very interesting and he had a lot to say about it. Um, and every, every answer was like that. I mean, he just had something interesting to say on every topic. Um, super friendly. I could have talked to him all day. We only had 10 minutes and Aww. he gave us, and he gave us 12. because <laughs> <laughs> That's just like the kind of person he is, but, but yeah. And that was, it was just a real treat to get to like pick his brain. Um, he's really smart. He's really nice. Just, I, I feel so lucky that, you know, it's like our, our time with Francisco Lindor is only just beginning. Um, and that's just, yeah, it was just a really, it was an amazing opportunity. Thank you to Brian, our producer for bringing it. Um, I'm kidding. He's not listening at this point, unless, um, I really messed up my audio, which sorry, Brian. Um, but like, <laughs> Yeah, so I do want, whether listening or not, I want to thank Brian for, for putting it together, for fixing the audio problems that came from that interview, because there's always something. Um, yeah, and if Francisco Lindor is listening, I will interview you again. We love so. our franchise shortstop, don't we, folks? Yeah. Like, of course, he's amazing. Like, is there anything he can't do? Oh, he's I mean, so it's, good. it's true, but like, there's also just a lot of guys who are really good guys, really good at baseball. And you answer, you ask them a question and they will just answer it. And that's fine. They answer the question that you asked, but like Lindor has stuff to say and has thoughts and ideas that go beyond kind of the like question answer sort of vibe. He really, he is a very smart person in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Although, did weird. you see his Instagram post today? Oh, was oof. it about me? No. no, unfortunately, no. I sure did. But you won't be disappointed if you look, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I know that one. That good. <laughs> she immediately knew what we were talking about. <laughs> I forgot that was today. Memorable. Very good. Very good. That's all we'll have to say about that. It's the family he show. He a lot to the table, folks. He is an all around. <laughs> He's a triple threat. <laughs> he is a triple threat. We We love to see it. Um, but yeah, I, I listened to, I listened to the interview while I was making dinner this evening and it is fantastic. Like, please listen to it, everyone. It's so good. We will link it in the show notes and the tweets. Lots of things to link this week. I'm very excited about it. Um, Linda Cervich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Okay. I promise this is my last Rangers related walk-off win probably until October. Um, but their goalie won. The, his equivalent of like the Cy Young today, Igor Very awesome. is the Vezina winner. Um, so it was, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that he was going to win, or else the award would have been a sham. Like he basically had Jacob Degrom's 2018 season as a goalie, um, and then he even got an MVP. I was like him and Jacob Degrom are basically the same person, just in like different forms. Um, so yeah. The ending kind of sucked, but, you know, I'm happy for him. He totally deserved it. Um, and he, and like, 
you never know how players are going to react when like after they lose like a really big game. So I was kind of, this is like, he doesn't lose. Like when he was in Russia, he won their version of the Stanley cup, like in his career, he's only lost like a handful of games. Like he's insane. So I was going, I love him so much. I don't want him to be sad. So I was afraid he was sad. And, you know, he was back to his like jokey self today and he looked happy and um, he, he totally deserved it. And like, like I said, it's just weird that, you know, we've been so blessed that we went from one hockey god to another in goals. So I can't complain even if they did get eliminated in stupid fashion. But um, so congratulations to Igor on his Vezina trophy. And um, yeah, he almost won MVP. But you see, it's stupid because the hockey goom- uh, voters are the same as the MLB voters were like, well, the goalie has his own award, so that means he can't win the MVP, which yeah, is it's the like same pitchers argument. winning the MVP, yeah. Yes, and it's so stupid. It's like, well, you are valuable. Who can't? That's an argument, but we're probably going to have that argument again, probably for whenever Jake is healthy again for a full season, I hope. He really needed to win the third in 2020. I know. to get to the hall of fame but again no i'm not gonna get my blood pressure up in a walk of wins nope (laughs) no we're not gonna talk about that um so yeah so congratulations to igor on a really good season and this was not his first full season so i'm looking to the future and maybe next year they'll there'll be a different trophy they're they're holding at the end of the year (laughs) hopefully I mean, it's been it's been a full decade since a New York team has won a championship. Cool. Like somebody's got to break the streak. We're working on it. We're working. Somebody, on it. come on, Mets. The you Mets. <laughs> the New York Mets, who are good, even if they're playing badly right now. Right now, I know. I was gonna say now. I'm mad at them now. <laughs> Jason Treve sucks. I'm afraid. Um, he does. Well, like we were saying, bullpen, bullpen. Um. But yeah, uh, my walk-off win this week is pretty simple. Um, we had, I, I had a long weekend. You know, we had um, the obs- uh, observance of Juneteenth um, on Monday. So I got, I had off work for that. And it was just like a perfect weekend weather-wise. Uh, it was just beautiful in DC. Like basically like low 70s and sunny every day, like Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. It was just like literally perfection. Um, and we just did a bunch of stuff like in the city and it was really nice. Um, and the weather was beautiful for all of it. Um, in particular, um, on Saturday, we went to the, uh, Bowie Bay Sox, uh, minor league game against the rumble ponies, um, because the Bay Sox were, uh, the rumble ponies were in Bowie and that, that is a very short drive away from DC. Um, so that was really nice. We got to see, um, we got to see both uh, Ronnie Mauricio and Brett Beatty hit home runs, which was awesome. Brett Beatty's was a three-run game-tying homer, uh, which was awesome, and the Rumble Ponies won, so it was really nice, even though we didn't get to see Francisco Alvarez or James McCann somehow. (laughs) It was like... (laughs) James McCann was rehabbing it. And so we were like, oh, cool. We might get to see James McCann. Even if we don't, we'll see Francisco Alvarez. Neither one was in the lineup. And I was like, wait, oh. this is bullshit. <laughs> uh, but uh, Beatty and Mauricio made up for it by putting on a show. And it was fireworks night. 
Uh, so there was a lovely fireworks show after the game and it was incredible. Uh, better than the city field fireworks, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, it was really good fireworks. Uh, and it was a nice time. It was just a generally nice uh, game all around. Perfect weather the whole weekend long. Spent a lot of time outside. And I just, I love summer. I love spending time outside. And that's my walk-off win. See, um, it was cold up here over the weekend, so you left out. Yeah, uh, DC is generally a little warmer than New York, and so like you know, in New York when it's like slightly chilly, it's like perfect in DC. Um, yeah, low seventies, sunny. It was beautiful. Um, but yeah, uh, you should go to amazingavenue.com. Check out all of our fantastic content. Like I mentioned, we have that um, interview with Francisco Lindor from Maggie and Rob that is fantastic that you should definitely check out and also definitely check out uh, Grace Carbone's Pride Night article. Um, in addition to all of that, we have analysis, game recaps, morning news posts, weekly meters, all that awesome stuff for you guys over at Amazing Avenue. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at amazing avenue you can follow this show on twitter at a pod of their own you can follow each of us on twitter i am at petite phd where are you linda at linda Saravich. and you maggie at maggie 162 you can also email the show own at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever get your podcasts from, your app of choice, um, and rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting.